Amen. Casey's here now for the second service. I needed her during the first hour. I always, we'll get to that part. You're, you're ahead of yourself, Casey. We're not there yet. Merry Christmas. How is everyone? It, it, today is the third day of Christmas, if you're familiar with the song, right? Is everyone familiar? It's three French hens, right? Two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. This is the third day of Christmas. I debated uh, getting some French hens and releasing them through the sanctuary so they could run around during the sermon to remind you all during the sermon that we are still celebrating Christmas and that it's not over yet, right? Yeah. Instead, I just went with a picture. I figured Will would be happier with me with just a picture than having actual hens running around the sanctuary. So, Jim, I'm giving Jim a breather. He's, he's, uh, he's taking the week off, and uh, today we're going to be looking at a part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And I've been living in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. You can find it in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And I've been living in this passage now for quite some time. Uh, a couple sermon series ago, when Jim did the Know Your Rights sermon series, which if you didn't hear it or listen to it, you can, you can find all the sermons archived at mylpcoli.com if you want to check those out. But ever since like that sermon series, I felt the Lord just being like, I want you to spend some time in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so every day I've been reading it, five, six, and seven, over and over and over again, and for many, many, many months now. And I don't know about your, your reading habits when it comes to the Bible. I used to, when I, uh, when I was younger and not too long ago, I used to literally just read for uh, quantity, and so I could check, it, check off boxes of like how much of the Bible I had read, so therefore I was more holy than other people because I had read so much of the Bible and read so much of it all the time. And the last several years, I had kind of I've changed my approach to reading Scripture, and how, you know, I read on a daily basis. I like to dwell in a passage for a long time. I like to dwell in a passage. And, and the, the gentleman whose model, I, uh, the I model, um, I asked him once, I said, well, how do you know when you're done? If I'm going to dwell, like if I'm going to live in the, the Sermon on the Mount, how do I know when I'm done with the Sermon on the Mount and can move on to the next thing for me to check off my box? And I remember he told me, he said, once you can't go a day, without thinking about the words that God is speaking to you through Scripture. And so today, we're going to look at the passage that over the last few months, the Lord has been bringing to my mind over and over and over again throughout the weeks. I have recalled it many, many times, and so we're going to look at it today. So if you're willing and able, would you stand with me as we read God's Word? This is Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? 
For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is God's word. You may be seated. Father, we thank you. We thank you for today. We thank you for your words. We thank you for bringing us here. Father, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would mold us, that you would shape us, that you would transform us from the inside out. Father, you are the God that looks at the inside and not the outward appearance. And Father, we look forward to what you have in store for us today, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the new year is almost upon us, right? It's getting close. It's in a couple days. I always forget how many days are in every month, but 30, 31, I don't know. But it's coming close, right? It's getting close to the end. And everyone, I feel that everyone wants 2020 in the rearview mirror, right? I was trying to think about some amazing uh, joke that I could create about how hindsight is 2020, but uh, I couldn't think of anything, and that's all you're going to get. But yeah, 2020 is almost over. And 2020 has been a year that has been filled with lots of anxiety, lots of anxiety, lots of fear, pain, loss, frustrations, questions, doubts, uncertainty, lots of concerns, lots of things that we've, we, we have faced this last year that we'll probably never face again in our lifetime. Hopefully not. But normally when the new year comes, despite even this being the year of 2020 and COVID and all that, normally the new year is the time for setting goals. It's the time where we set goals. And even if like, how many, do we have a lot of people that like setting goals? We have some goal-oriented people today. Okay, like one. All right, we had had one or two. So we had like none in the first hour. So we have like two people in the entire church that are interested in setting goals. But even if you're not interested in setting goals, I'm not normally the most goal-oriented person. Normally if you're not even goal-oriented... This is the time of year that you start to think maybe about some goals for the new year. The new year is coming. So what are some of the goals? Casey, this is the response part that I needed you for in the first hour. What are some normal goals that people set for the new year? This is your audience participation. Getting healthy. Love your wife and love the Lord more. Oh, man, that's a good one. Sermon's over. Let's pray. Uh, so, yeah, getting healthy. Any other goals that people are setting or have set or failed at this last year that's going to renew this year? Read more books. Wow, I would have never thought of that one. That's not on my list. Because, yeah, I put lose weight, right? That's a common one. I've got to lose, uh, shed a few pounds. I've got to eat healthy. It's time to exercise. Maybe I'm going to graduate from whatever program I'm in this year. Uh, this could be the year of the bigger house. My house is getting small. Who knows? I need to save a little bit more money. Maybe not just, maybe just not spend as much money. Uh, maybe I want to travel a little bit. Maybe that'd be a possibility this year. The list, we could create, we could create a long list. We could create a very long list of goals and things that we could do. But today, I'm going to save you a lot of time. So now you're not going to have to think about your goals for 2021. I'm going to give it to you today, and you can thank me later. But this is a goal that isn't just for 2021. This is a goal that's here for this next month. And in reality, if we look at it, it's not really a goal for a month. It's a goal for this next week. And more importantly, it's not really a goal for the next week. It's a goal for today, 
And we come across it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says here, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. This is our goal. This should be our goal, not just this year, but every year. So we're going to look at this just a little bit more in depth. If we back up in verse 25, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Well, the first first question I have to ask myself as I read this, and maybe you ask, you go, who is you? Who is me? Who is they? Who, who is this talking about? Who is this talking to? Who is, who is Jesus talking to in the Sermon on the Mount? And if we back up into chapter 5, right there in the beginning, he kind of tells us. It says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, these are Jesus' disciples. This is Peter Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thaddeus, Thomas, Judas, Simon. There might have been some other close people there too. But these are his disciples. These are the same people that he's going to call in verse 30, O you of little faith. His disciples. O you of little faith. And He's about to, one of the things we have to remember, he's, he, Jesus right now is preparing his disciples for a mission that they're about to go on. In a few chapters later, if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 10, looking in verse 7, he's getting ready to send out his disciples. And we'll start in 7 because he says he's going to send them first to the lost sheep of Israel. We're not going other places. We're going to his own. It says in Matthew 10, verse 7, and proclaim... As you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics, or sandals, or staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it, and stay there until you depart. Jesus is getting ready to send out his disciples on a mission. He's given them the message. And this is the same message that Jesus has been declaring. The kingdom of God is at hand. His reign in your life is close. So close you can grasp it. And he's uh, he's empowered them to do miracles and all these miraculous signs. And he tells them as you go out there, all these things you're going to do, you're not going to do it. You're not performing for money. In fact, you're not even going to have any money lining your belt pockets. You're not going to have any money. You're not going to have any extra tunics. You're not going to have any extra bags. You're not going to have any extra sandals, and you're not going to have a staff. And on first hearing, I go, that's okay. I don't want any of those things anyway. He says, but you're going to be fed, and you're going to find a house that's going to be provided for you to stay on your mission that I'm sending you on. Could you imagine being sent on that mission if I was to send you on a mission today and I'm going to say, I'm going to send you, I'm going to, send you to these people downtown Olympia. But you're going to walk. You can't take your car. And I need you to leave with me your wallet, your phone, your keys. 
Now, if his disciples hadn't yet experienced some of these feelings that are, are represented in, in chapter 6 about what are we going to eat, what are we going to drink, because they've already left their livelihoods. They left their nets. They left their fathers. They left their family members to follow Jesus. If they haven't already had these thoughts and ideas about where's the next meal coming from, what am I going to wear, like what, what are we going to do, like these basic needs, they're going to be feeling those. They're going to experiencing those on this mission now when Jesus isn't directly by their side. They're going to be experiencing this. They're going to be. And it's this first, this first verse that has been driving around in my mind so much where it says, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I don't know about you guys, but I am a, uh, I'm a big man. And food has always been a struggle for me. Food is a go-to comfort for me. And amidst COVID and all the things, when I am having to socially distance from people and not be around people, because I'm extroverted, I love being here around you. I love people. When I can't be around you, I just need pizza to fill that void. Or some sort of other food that's delivered conveniently to my house. I need it. I want it. If I don't get it, I'm missing out on life. I struggle with that. And so often during these last few weeks and last months as I've been struggling with those things, there's these words that keep coming to my mind over and over and over going, is not life more than food? Maybe that one's not a struggle for you. Maybe it's the clothing. I've never had a struggle with clothing because my baseline for getting dressed is I must clothe my nakedness. So as long as my nakedness is clothed, I'm golden. I can go out of the house. Like So today I'm even kind of all one color. My wife's probably looking at the live stream right now going, what are you doing? Why are you wearing this? Nakedness clothed, mission accomplished. <laughs> Life is so much more than food. You are more than food. You are more than clothing. I love how uh, Eugene Peterson in the message translation puts kind of the, the rest of this passage, and we're going to have this up on the screen here for, if you want to read it. It says, if you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes. Uh, hopefully my children are watching this right now. Uh, or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion, there is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job, descri- uh, job description, careless in the care of God, and you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of a mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The ten best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never seen, never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. To not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Jesus is, is using two arguments to make his points. 
Are you not more valuable than grass and birds? The answer, of course, to this question is yes. Immeasurably so. Your value is so much more than grass and birds. Being anxious about these things, seeking after these things, does you no good. You look at you know studies today, and you look at anxiousness and worry and anxiety to high levels. They can shorten your life. And the rest of the world is pursuing after all these things. They, scripture says there that they're seeking. They're seeking after all these things. I love the, the, the imagery that you use here about standing in front of a mirror and not growing an inch taller. It's, it's the other use of the word here that the English Standard Version talks about, adding a year to your, who can add time to your life by worrying. But they seek after all these things. And, and I think about like my children and hide-and-go-seek, Right? When the seeking, like, that's, that's the whole thing. That's the primary focus. You must seek them out. And unless you hide really well and they can't find you in, like, a couple minutes, then they lose interest. But normally in hide-and-go-seek, that's what it's all about is seeking and finding the person it's you're searching for. It's your, it's your aim. You're aiming for the prize. You're striving for it. You crave it. The Gentiles seek after all these things. And so we come to verse 33 where he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What do you seek? What did you come here today in search of? What are you seeking? This can be an, off, an extra guilty question right now, right after Christmas. I don't know about you guys in your homes. I feel that our Christmas tree had a lot more gifts underneath it this year than normal. Normally, we kind of get like one gift for the kids because... We want to try to control the clutter, right, and the toys and, and, and the cleaning of the house. We get one thing of that. We know the grandparents are going to spoil them anyway with multiple gifts. So we get one thing. There were loads of presents under our tree this year. Literally like an attempt to fill the, the social distance COVID hole with more stuff. Oh, we're sorry you didn't get to go to preschool this year. Here, have some more toys. You don't get to hang out with your friends on a regular basis and you have to wear a mask and all that. Just, just, it's okay, just have some more toys. As I look back over this past year, as I was you know, thinking about the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021 and the sermon, and I think about COVID and all the effects that it's had, and I imagined myself a, a conversation that God had because I asked myself the question, did COVID throw God for a loop. And I just imagine this conversation with God to his, to his angels, to his disciples, to everyone saying, hey, whoa, 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 hold on a second, everybody. This COVID thing, it came out of left field. I think we're going to have to call time out and we're going we're, we're gonna to put a little hiatus on the mission right now. Seeking and saving the lost is going to have to wait till next year, till 2021, when it'll be better. You know, I know some things. It'll be a little bit better, and then we'll resume the mission then. For then, just kind of hunker down and take a break. Do you guys think that's what God said? Absolutely not. But how much of my life this last year did I operate like that? Because the mission has not been put on hold. It has not gotten in the way. 
So how do we seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness? What does that look like? And I give you a very churchy answer for the first part of that. If we look back in Matthew chapter 6 just a little bit earlier, we pray. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount here, when he teaches his disciples to pray, he says in verse 7, excuse me, chapter 6, verse 9, man, when you live in 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew for like a couple months, it all just blurs together. It says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We're to ask God, ask God on a daily basis to experience his kingdom to experience his rule and reign in our lives and to give us the eyes to see the opportunities to advance his kingdom, to see the work of his kingdom at hand in our lives. Just over the last few weeks, this has been a prayer of mine. And in the last few years, I'm a custodian, and right now children aren't really in schools. I interact with like three people a day at work. And then my family. That's like my social sphere. Not very many. How could the Lord use me? And just the other week, one of our substitute custodians was talking to me about all the things he had done for the day and whatnot. And all of a sudden, he just started talking to me about how he's wanting to get back into church because of his kids and their age, but he doesn't know a good one to go to. Really? Well, let's talk. So I get to talk with him about God and church and, he's, and the, his desire for it. And I go, man, like, Lord, thank you for that. That was, that was easy. I didn't even have to bring it up. He brought it up. And the same thing, I had a teacher when I was emptying her garbage can. Same story. Started talking to me. I'm like, is this how most people begin conversations? They talk about spiritual things to the man coming to empty their garbage out of their classroom? Because this is new to me. I've been doing this now for a few years. And I just go, Lord, really? Yeah, we can talk about this. And that's the next piece about it. We ask the Lord for it. To see the opportunities, but then we need to be ready when the time is presented, when it comes before us, to bear witness to what God has done. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, as the disciples are waiting, they're waiting for the Holy Spirit, Jesus tells them, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. You will testify about me. You see, I feel that sometimes, like in church, for those of us that may have been in church for a while, or maybe you're new to church, and you go, and you hear the idea of talking to other people about Jesus, and you go, man, like, to be able to do such a thing, I need to be like an expert in the Bible. I need to know all of it. I need to know how to defend it. I I need to know how to argue. I need to know how to defend the faith, and, and, and all these things that you need to do, all this weight that's put upon your shoulders. That's not so. You need to be able to bear witness to what you've seen what you've heard, what you've experienced, what God has done in your life. Be prepared to share it in front of the kings and nations. Wherever God has sent you, is sending you, be prepared to be his 
witness. Because you never know when the opportunity is going to arise. I didn't have one of these like amazing experiences every day. But go figure, I asked the Lord for them and I started to see them more regularly. And he's already given us the message too that the kingdom of God is at hand, that we have the opportunity to experience God's reign in our life. When we look at the the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, which I'm thinking we're going to a little bit more next week, get to experience God's reign, God's peace, God's wisdom, God's understanding, God's perfect love, a love that loves enemies, that we get to model as well, a forgiveness that can forgive anything, a mercy that covers all. Our world is hungry for that. Are hungry for that. And how do we seek his righteousness? Scripture tells us that there is a righteousness that is revealed in Jesus Christ. That we can have a right relationship with God. We can begin right standing with him through the work of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross. And that we need to focus our lives, that it is the number one relationship. Freddie said when we're talking about goals, to love his wife but love God more. It is our number one relationship. It is our primary focus of relationships. In seeking that relationship with him, do we strive for it? Do we crave it? Our Heavenly Father knows our needs. He knows that you need to eat. He knows that you need a place to stay. And his earthly provisions might not be extravagant. But his heavenly blessings are priceless. They're priceless. It says in verse 34, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. When I first read this, I was like, well, that's nice and depressing. Thanks for that. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough junk going on in it. Don't worry about that. You'll get to that tomorrow. And that's where it it was a reminder to me that this isn't necessarily a lofty goal that we set for the whole year of 2021, but this is a goal, this is what we set for today. Tomorrow is going to have a bunch of stuff to deal with, but guess what? The way you're going to deal with it is the same way you're going to deal with it today. We're going to seek after His kingdom and His righteousness, and all the other things will be added unto you. Focus on this one thing. Focus on this one thing. That's one thing I appreciate so much about God is that I don't need to focus on losing weight and exercising and all. I don't have to do all the things that I need to do in my checklist of things in my mind. He says there's one thing that you need to pursue, and that's me. I'll help with the other things come into line, but there's one thing. Pursue me. Pursue me. This will be our, it's like our groundhog day goal over and over and over again. I had a, another interesting opportunity just this, this last week. I was watching this guy's Twitch channel online, and his name, the name of his channel was related to the John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And this guy in the chat that was watching the same channel as I did asked this guy a question about it. And said, how can God love me? I've done so much wrong. And the guy whose channel we were watching ignored him. Didn't say anything. And I said, Lord, am I really stepping up right here, right now? 
Now, I don't know how you guys feel about social media. I'm personally not a fan of social media. I'm not a fan of using Facebook and all those things. I feel that they kind of cheapen our in-person relationships. I feel that they distance us more than socially. But right now, in the time of COVID, (laughs) they're important to use. And so here in my mind, I go, Lord, is this really like legitimate? Me, Me having this conversation with this guy online through a chat. Because I got to share the gospel with him. And he's struggling with the things that he's done in his past. And in my mind, I'm going like, this this doesn't count. Like, this is not, God can't use this. So he sent me a friend request. We're now friends. I don't know what's going to happen or where this is going. But I find myself asking, like, Lord, like, is this possible for you to utilize online means? to advance your kingdom. And I'm reminded of the stories we've just been reading here at Christmas time and Jesus' birth in the Jesus Storybook Bible with our kids. It words it as this when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and tells her, hey, you're going to give birth, you're a virgin, you're going to give birth to a son and you're going to call his name Jesus. And she says, and he says, is there anything too wonderful for God? In Luke, he says, is there anything... There's nothing that's impossible for God. He will use anything in any way. His mission has not been put on hold, so his servants should not be on hold either. It might take new interesting forms. It might look differently than it ever has before. It's looking new to me. (laughs) I've never experienced it like this before in my life. But this next year and in the coming weeks and the coming months, it's going to look interesting. It's going to look different, but we're going to have an opportunity to be involved in the mission. It's still going on. It hasn't stopped. Jesus hasn't stopped loving us. He hasn't stopped sitting on the throne. He hasn't stopped ruling. And he will accomplish his tasks. And we get to be a part of it. We get to seek his kingdom in His righteousness, relationship with Him, our Father with open arms. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You love us so much. Father, that You you paid the price for the penalty of our sin, that You died on a cross. Father, that Your, that your blood has paid the price that we can have relationship with you, that we can stand before you, a holy, perfect God, blameless, as your children. Father, and you welcome us with open arms and you love us. You've forgiven us. You've shown us mercy. Father, I ask for those of us that know that mercy and that know that grace and know that love, Father, that we would be members of the family that are interested in the family business, that are interested in the mission and being involved in what you have in store, that brings meaning to life, brings meaning to everything that we do, it brings meaning to the meaningless tasks and the mundane of life. Father, we thank you for that. Father, we ask that those that that are here or that are those that are listening online, Father, that don't know you, Father, we ask that you would stir in their hearts, that you would be like a living spring of water inside them that would burst forth, that they'd say, I just need to know you. Lord, forgive me. Father, we look forward to to meeting those people and knowing those people.
We look forward to all that you have in store in the future. And more importantly, Father, we look forward to what you have in store for us today. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.